It's Telly.Click with Mike Ward, the Daily Star and Daily Express's TV critic, and me, Simon Hoban, from BBC Radio. Hello, Mike. Hello, Simon. Long time no pod. Entire seasons have passed. Seasons have passed, yeah. Since we last spoke. Yes. And also various anniversaries. Lots of them of landings, I've noticed. The, oh, yes. The D-Day landings. That's D-Day gone since landing. we were last on air. Yeah, the, as uh, has D-Day itself. That yeah. was when we were last on air, I believe. And all the anniversaries since D-Day. That's it. They've the, all the gone. The moon landings. Yeah. Another landing. Um, I don't did know. Watch, did you watch... Not landing. I don't know whether there was an anniversary. <laughs> no. Did you watch a lot of the uh, moon landing anniversary coverage? Yeah, I did. Yeah, any because everybody did, everybody did their thing, and it's quite interesting to note that, given the fact that it was one thing, you know, one event, yeah, different channels very much took their own unique sort of personalised approach to it. I thought so. For instance, ITV did a very sort of you know sort of mainstream populist type of thing that put it in the context of what was happening in the world, and it was very much the sort of human drama of it. Yeah. And then the BBC, BBC Two did that brilliant sort of one where they had the eyes, the actors lip-syncing the voices of the astronauts that yes. had been recorded, which is beautifully, brilliantly done. Yeah, it's clever, that. But a completely different take on it. And then Channel 4 was doing this, I didn't bother with it, but they were doing these nightly updates, five-minute nightly updates, as if we were pretending it was 1969 and we were waiting for the latest news on, on how the mission was going. Yeah. I couldn't be asked with that. And Channel 5 did, uh, you know, I can't believe we landed on the moon 50 years ago. <laughs> With a cone on in the middle of the title. Yeah. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. my landlord sent me to the moon. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Can't pay, we'll send you to the moon. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Uh, I thought that I liked the um, the lip syncing one the best. Did you? Yeah, because they did that on the radio as well, and it worked well on the radio too. What lip syncing on the radio? Well, the, no, they got That's the. That's never uh... going to work. <laughs> what a terrible concept! They got the actors, didn't they? They, they got the scripts from the um, astronauts, so they played in the, the actual audio of Mission Control, yeah. and then got the actors to replace the astronauts. So they weren't lip syncing. Well, not lip syncing, but no. whatever the phrase is for replacement. Yes, reading somebody else's words out. Yeah, but yes, I know. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. But that, yeah, yeah, was it was good. Um, but the difference between you and me here, significant one, yeah, is that I remember it. Ooh. At the time, I remember being allowed to stay up late on the night of the uh, actual moon landing, because um, they because I think the original plan was them to land and then them to go to bed and then do the moonwalk the next day or something else. But they ended up doing it sort of almost. You know, within a couple of hours of landing. So oh, I mean, you'd have to, wouldn't you? You couldn't land and not get out. <laughs> yes, we're here now. Yeah. Yes. You know, the weather might t- take a turn. Yeah. And, then, and then, you know, what? where would we be? We'd yeah. missed our window of opportunity. Um, so, yes, now I remember being allowed to um, to stay up and watch it. And actually, t- trying to sort of jog my memory when I was writing about this in the paper a couple of weeks ago, um, I actually went on that BBC website where you can find the um, the old listings from every day ever in TV oh, land, yeah, yeah. or was it on BBC? Yeah, what was on the other side? And what was on? Um, well, I think ITV, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to see if I can find it while we're talking. So Harry so, Potter, bound to be. <laughs> so say something interesting for a moment. Oh, gosh, it's 36 for nine. Well, now. the only thing I can compare that to, whilst you find that, is and I, I, I imagine it'd be the same level of excitement, yeah. was being allowed to stay up for the start of Channel 4. Which oh, was equally gosh. delayed in yeah. 1982, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that was getting up to, uh, you know, nine, ten o'clock before they finally got on air. Yes. With the first edition of Countdown. Yeah, of I course. know, that's extraordinary, isn't it? Um, so that's the only kind of comparative... Oh, and also being allowed to stay up late for the 1985 Dennis Taylor-Steve Davis snooker final. I can imagine a similar level of thrill there. I do remember that, actually, yeah. Well, actually, yes. I say get, st- be allowed to stay up late. Like, what actually happened was I went to bed... 
and my dad and I do actually thank him for this in retrospect yeah. woke me up to say this is a this is a sporting moment you'll be glad I did this get up and watch the last couple of frames because yes. this is incredible yeah. and I'd gone to bed where, where where Davis was well ahead you know thought it was all over yeah and it wasn't then no and then um, and then yeah my dad my dad gave me a nudge and got me up well there you go and he, he recognised that you were about to witness something yeah. that, that would be etched on your memory forevermore <laughs> yeah. so which is good which is a nice I touch it was nice. actually because you know we don't always we're not always conscious of historical moments that are taking place yeah. around us well, we probably are these days because they're happening all the time did you have any the cognizance at that age to, to know that it was history I think I did because yeah. for the simple fact that by you know at nine years old, which is what I was, uh, I wasn't normally allowed to stay up till four o'clock on a school night because no. it was a Sunday night for, for Sunday Sunday for Monday. I said, oh, hang on a minute, it would have been school holidays. Oh, maybe anyway. Um, so obviously I must, there must have been something. No, I was really, really bizarrely, I was really into space stuff. NASA helping out with childcare there. Good, yes, good of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I was really into it. I used to get bubblegum cards. Uh, I used to get a little pig slab of bubblegum and uh, the, the, these cards that came with it, pictures of astronauts and all sorts of things. Oh, so yeah. I was really bizarrely into it, which is nothing like... It, I sometimes think you become a completely different person when you're older because <laughs> yeah. uh, nothing like no. that interests me in the slightest anymore. <laughs> no, if anything, your curiosity is dimmed over the years, Mike. Oh, just, just a tad. <laughs> anyway, I found the listings. I found the BBC One listings. And this is interesting because basically, bearing in mind that, yes, it was hugely significant. And I think... We know how significant it was, but the, the TV and the media in general was so unsophisticated compared to what we... Well, maybe not unsophisticated to, compared to what we used to now, but it was so scaled down. Yeah. It was so bare bones. And actually, in a funny way, had, had the moon landings happened now, they would have been like, you know round-the-clock coverage from the moment it took off to the moment it, it, it splashed oh, down. yeah, yeah. Every, you know, there wouldn't have been a waking moment where there wasn't somebody pontificating. So it'd be like the BBC News Channel or Sky News, oh, just sure. round-the-clock, repeated the same old thing, same old thing, and, and endless experts wielded. Right, BBC One, on the night, uh, I think this changed slightly because obviously events overtook it, but the Radio Times listings, uh, it was, right, uh, that evening... There was a little bit of a preliminary thing yeah. uh, at quarter to seven right. around the sort of country file time. Uh-huh. 7.25, Dr. Finley's casebook, an episode <laughs> of Dr. Kin- Finley's casebook. Fantastic. Um, which was uh, uh, somebody's been a contravening Minister of Health regulations by handing out advice on a controversial subject. Oh, I wonder what that could have been in 1969. Right. Followed, even better, 8.15, getting close now. They must be close to the planet. 8.15, the black and white minstrel show. <laughs> Wow, which is you know for all sorts of reasons that's yeah. uh, that puts it in, in a historical context. Then at eight forty-five, it's billed as simply Apollo Eleven, so they couldn't really think of an, a, a, a more interesting title. Just build Apollo Eleven, Gosh. okay. And then at nine fifty, they stop for the news with Richard Baker. <laughs> Ten o'clock, you're thinking, right, okay, now got yeah. news out of the way, got the light entertainment, <laughs> over, and now we can you know clear the schedules, we can focus complete. No, Ten o'clock. As they're getting quite close to the planet at this point, Omnibus presents a programme called So What If It's Just Green Cheese? It's an enter- This is billed as an entertainment for Moon Night, okay, featuring right. Judy Dench, Ian McKellen, Michael Horden, Marion Montgomery, Dudley Moore and the Dudley Moore Trio, mm-hmm. uh, and The Pink Floyd, billed as The Pink oh, Floyd gosh. with a new number. I wonder about that interstellar overdrive or something. It wasn't. No, I think it's something that uh, that actually has never been released as, as uh, on anything other than kind of like an outtake thing or whatever. Okay, but anyway, so that's, that was that's fascinating. That's extraordinary. So a whole hour of that, and then eleven o'clock, obviously, comedy choice, which famous <laughs> stars of BBC comedy choose their favourite shows from past series. 
Tonight, Alistair Sim introduces Is Britain a Free Country? from A.P. Herbert's Misleading Cases. Wow. So that's, there you go. that's amazing. That's amazing. It is absolutely extraordinary. 11.30, The Weatherman, finally. 11.32, Apollo 11. And then it just uh, peters out, presumably. Until I mean, that does tell you that either they didn't have the resources to put together a big show that would have lasted the whole day and they couldn't string that together, or they just... Yeah, like you say, perhaps the... The being in the moment of it, yes, you kind of do, you don't realise the extent of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do on, on, honestly, but but yeah, because we hadn't got any precedent for sort of yeah. you know, round the clock coverage and, and, and sort of mad over the top stuff. I don't know what's happening in America. I suspect there was a bit more of it over there. Yeah, but we just did what we do and got excited about the moon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the same way that you know, I'm sure if you watch the '66 World Cup final. Uh, after about 20 minutes, they probably went on to Dixon of Doc Green yes, or something yeah. or other. So, yeah. you know, the magnitude of something isn't always apparent, is it, on no, the day? No. I mean, I remember that with some disasters that have happened in the past. You know, yeah. retrospectively, you look back at the coverage on the day and it seems quite, uh, you know, small. It's a small scale compared to what, what we think of it now. I know, yeah. yes. But then I'm not entirely sure that we got it wrong. Or no, but we didn't get it wrong because you didn't have any choice as to how you covered it. But I... I'm not entirely sure that you know our modern day expectations of this kind of bloated, <laughs> over the top, relentless, exhaustive coverage is actually you know doing this stuff any better. It's just doing more of it. Yeah. You, you know, it's, I only have to watch oh, I don't know, half an hour, forty minutes of any news channel to get frustrated with how much it repeats itself on an average day. There is that. You know, and also with any what I'm finding now about natural history programs is that especially when they do these live ones, you know, which are maybe in various locations, they've yeah. got Liz Bonin on a beach somewhere, everything they see has to be incredible. It's, oh, that's mm. incredible. I'm looking at yes. some turtles. Isn't that an incredible oh. sight? Oh, fantastic. You know, the, the, the hyperbole. Yeah. They run out of superlatives, and they've got nowhere to go then when the great white shark comes over the edge of the boat, you know? I oh, know. I think that's exactly true. And I, in a way, th- this is what we're talking about here, is, is t- TV's coverage of, of the moon landings back then probably was the equivalent of of saying well you know back in those days we everything was you know covered in proportion yeah um yeah and perhaps you know okay perhaps it was understated bearing in mind how significant it was but at the same time you know i don't think anybody thought well gosh we should be doing this program should go on forever and have 12 times as many pundits sitting in the studio Mm. and 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 bigger graphic you know it's i don't know i guess it's the same i guess it's the equivalent now if you go to I don't know the FA Cup final, and there's music, and there's fireworks, and there's streamers, yeah. and whatever. And you yeah. win the football FA Cup final in the seventies. It's just bloke, some muddy old blokes trudging on the pitch, yeah. you know. And then having some, you know, going into change rooms at the end, drinking, swigging from bottles of milk, and then climbing some steps, taking a trophy. Going, you, you know, in other words, we, we sort of believe that we have to surround everything with with this sort of um, huge razzmatazz hype, yeah, and hype. Everything's hyped, isn't it? Uh, yeah, to the point where actually, you know, it all becomes a bit hollow um uh, have they showed any of the that actual program from eleven thirty two onwards then have, have we has anybody revisited that and watched it to see if it was far more sober and relaxed oh what the um the actual broadcast from yes, that day yes i think so um i've i've i haven't really was it patrick it. moore i wonder it was i think patrick moore was involved james burke who's still around he's in his 80s now was one of the presenters cliff the late cliff mitchell moore i think was yeah uh there as well but everything, you know, but what they have shown a lot of in the um, um, in these various um, uh, clip shows, not clip shows, these, these sort of documentaries about the whole moon landing, mm-hmm. is some of the American coverage, which is on CBS with uh, Walter Cronkite, 
who was the sort yes. of legendary the presenter. Game. Fantastically sort of, you know, I can't think of anybody. I mean, he looks very much of that era and had that authoritative tone and he had the sort of slicked back hair mm. and the sort of moustache and he looked like a sort of very sober uncle that you would respect and value their wisdom, etc., etc. Um, and... Uh, I, I can't think of anybody who's uh, maybe maybe the late Sir Robin Day or something or other in a, yeah. in a different context, or yeah. even I guess a Dimbleby. Uh, but he, he was um, his coverage of it was uh, you know, the clips I shared of him were quite extraordinary because they were very um, they're quite raw, and, and I, I don't know whether it was you know the norm back then, but certainly compared to our what would have been a comparatively sort of you know straight laced coverage it, he was sort of looked quite emotional at times right. especially when it came to that actual, maybe actual moments. maybe over there they felt it more because it was you know they were well, doing it they were american <laughs> yeah, yes yeah. there is that yeah but yeah so that's um, that's dead interesting that's that's dead interesting. i wonder whether actually you know in mitigation a was there much to say in terms of no one had ever done it before so no. they couldn't you know they couldn't do the whole what would they be feeling now as they you know because they well i don't know really yeah, <laughs> and then but, also the, the technology that we had back then probably didn't lend itself to any footage or any camera you know you there was nothing to see maybe until they actually got down there well all you saw as uh, you know was you have a bit of footage from inside inside the uh, the lunar module yeah. and the command module before they all climbed out the the, the main ship um and then looking out the i, I mean bizarrely in my head it's it's evocative and and romantic because it is so basic. So all you saw, and I remember watching the TV, and it was you know the TV was black and white, and the pictures were black and white. Mm. You were just looking out, and you just saw this sort of, this yeah. shadow yeah. as the thing approached the moon, and you weren't quite sure what you were seeing and what the shadows were. But because it was so primitive, it really conjured up just how extraordinary this was. Yeah. And had you done it now, it would have been, you know, 4K UHD super <laughs> crystal sharp with sort of Dolby 5.1 yeah. stereo surround sound. <laughs> and it wouldn't have been able to, you wouldn't have had any concept of how extraordinary this was because mm. it would all be too, feel as if it's next door. Yeah. You know? yeah. A bit like watching the old foot, uh, clips of the old World Cups before, you know, when all this commentary sounded like it was coming down a telephone line yeah. and the pictures were fuzzy. And to me... There's an exoticness about that. Yeah, there's something yeah. exotic about yeah. that because, you know, and I know it's only like a romantic old fart, but, you know, it made you think, I'm watching something far, far away and that makes it extra mm. exciting. Yeah, the fuzz kind of helped. The fuzz <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of helped. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Uh, did you watch Plane Spotting Live at all? Did you see Oh, no, but I heard about it and intended to, then missed it. Uh, well, I completely, I didn't intend to and missed it, so we can't talk about that at all. <laughs> well, did you hear anything of, of well, consequence? Well, what, what struck me was that it was Andy Peters presenting yes, it, which I thought was bizarre. But of course. Uh, yes. Yeah, from his broom-covered days. Uh, yes. Apparently a big aviation fan as well. Is that right? Yeah. So he was uh, being the sort of semi-expert yeah. presentary type whilst there were actual experts around him. Apparently. Yes, well, that, that that sort of brought it down to earth and sort of you know made, made it accessible. There's a weird thing, although we didn't see it, but I bet it was bizarrely fascinating because there's a weird. They've done these kind of things before, haven't they? And you think, God, that's just just never going to work. But it's like, sort they did of train does. spotting, didn't they? they did train spotting. Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, not with you know uh, drug taking <laughs> yeah, in Edinburgh, Beg, but yeah. yeah, yeah. No, they. Um, but I think wasn't there some sort of controversy about that because they there was some slightly faked footage uh, <laughs> really? at, at one point. I think it was Pete, was it Peter Snow, whoever the guy is. Okay. Looking, I think it was him looking up in the sky and saying, "Oh, I've just seen such and such." And it turned out later that that wasn't that wasn't above him in the sky at the time. It was some, uh -huh. some footage that was. Why do you do that? No, no but, need to do that. No, there's planes everywhere. Yeah. Trains everywhere. You don't need to fake a train stroke plane. It's, no, there's no need. Absolutely.
So that's the moon landings. What else has happened since we've been away? Um, Crickets happened. Well, you, cricket. you you interjected there with a cricket score. I did. I'm, I'm dating. I'm dating this podcast. But hey, what the hell? It's like you know crackly footage from Mexico seventy. <laughs> I'm dating this football. Yeah, foot bath. Good grief. Well, the <laughs> well, latest is dated. that England bowled out Ireland for thirty-eight to complete a one hundred and forty-three one, a hundred and forty-three run win. Now. In cricket, if you're bowled out in your first innings for 85, and, the, and, the, and in response, your team, the rivals get 200 and something, you think you're stuffed. And that's the situation that England found themselves in after the first innings. And well, yet they won the game. So what? Yeah, so England did badly in the first innings. England did appallingly in the first innings. They mm. were bowled out for 85. Ireland, in response, got 207. So you thought, sort of thought, well, 207 is not a brilliant score, but they're way ahead. There's no way England's going to get to sort this out. So England then go back to their second innings, get 303, which means that their total is 388. And Ireland have already got 270 for their first inning. So basically, Ireland need 181 yeah. to, to win the game. Yeah. Having got 270 in the first innings, you think that's not a difficult task. That's no. a, that, and they got it, instead of getting 181, they got 38. All out. All out. Wow, that's terrible. So but cricket, this, this, this leads me to my, my next yes, point about cricket, which is it just seems that there's no pattern to it at all. So England won the Cricket World Cup. Yeah. That's fantastic. The next time they pitch up, which is against Ireland, which aren't renowned as they're not renowned as a great cricketing nation, not yet. they do terribly in the first innings. Why? Yes. What's going on there? I don't understand the, the extremes in form. There seems to be no sense of form actually. Because if you know, if Man City play a third division team, yes, every week they're going to win that game ninety nine times out of hundred. Pretty much, but in cricket yes. it doesn't seem to be that way. You are completely right. And I, I don't watch Test cricket. Well, I do, but I don't go to Test cricket. I only go to T Twenty cricket in in Sussex because I'm in Brighton. Um, and I, it, it, it that the point you're making is reflected there as well because there are certain teams that are clearly much better than others. But that whole idea of and on the day, anyone could win, which is what you normally say about championship football. On yeah. the day, any yeah. team, any two teams playing each other, either side could win. It it really feels that's the case more in cricket more than anywhere. It's like if you win the toss, or if you get a couple of things going your way, then all of a sudden, when the momentum's behind you in that match, and you can notch up a fantastic score, bowl them out for nothing, and look like you're you know unbeatable, and yeah. then you, the same players can turn out forty eight hours later. Uh, which is often the case in T20, just play play a couple of games in you know in, in a week, and and just be awful. Same which, people. <laughs> which leads me to conclude it's a game of chance. It's considerably <laughs> well, it's considerably more chance. I mean, That'll annoy Brian and Todd Minster, won't it? Well, yeah, it's. I don't think it is, but well, every game is a game of chance, obviously, because of the laws of physics, etc. But you know, I don't think it is to the extent you're perhaps implying. Yeah. But there are aspects of it. Which don't, as you say, where where sort of form and uh, sort of your momentum in terms of your yeah. form as a player or a team, well, they just don't seem to count for anything. No. Just it could, could be the way the wind blows or, or, or something. That's it. Just watching cricket casually and reading the odd back page on it, it it's impossible to know where England are in the pantheon of teams. Uh, obviously, they've won the World Cup now, so that's, yeah. it's kind of obvious. But yeah. before that, I just didn't know how England were doing. I wouldn't know if they were any good or not because it seems to swing so much. It does It does swing so much. And don't forget, on the way to the World Cup, 
uh, winning the One Day uh, World Cup. They were terrible. Uh, there were some cup, yeah, but there were some disappointing and and and, and shock right, results. Yeah, and were, it yeah. wasn't, but it was by no means guaranteed at one point that they were going to get get out of the group stage. Mm. So it is a funny, funny old game, um, <laughs> as uh, as someone once said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, one thing I like about cricket, and the one one reason I enjoy it, and the reason I enjoy going to uh, to games, is because, and I, I don't mean this in a mean way and i think a lot of people probably if they're honest to say that i don't care that much yeah i got i like it and i go and i can get absorbed in the game and i can get excited and i can enjoy the atmosphere and i can enjoy some good plays some good batting some good bowling i can get completely caught up in it like going to watch a good film but if it doesn't you know if we don't win I'm not depressed no. <laughs> or fed up. It, you know, I can actually switch off about an hour off. Well, no, probably about ten minutes after I've left the ground. It's of no consequence yeah. to me. Um, but that's I, probably one of the pros as well as the cons. Oh in, no, in a way, I think it's, it? it is a pro. Oh, no, yeah, it is yeah, a pro. Sure. I, I see it as a positive thing because Definitely. I actually find you know sometimes when you're watching football, especially when you're watching you know international football where your chance, your team's chance to do something comes around so rarely mm. that there's so much hinging on it. I sort of think that's tortuous and actually not not a very pleasant experience. Yeah, yeah. And I quite like cricket. Not least, again, talk about T20s. It's like you can watch your team. I watched my team two days ago and we won. Had we lost, I wouldn't that be that bothered because, well, I'm not I'm not that invested in it emotionally yeah, sure. anyway. Yeah, yeah. And also, there's another game two days later. We all sure. start again. So there's so much cricket that no one game <laughs> ever feels... Well, almost no one game, perhaps the, the World Cup final was an exception, ever feels as if, oh, there's so much hinging on, this, if the, mm. the, the, you know, the, the pressure is unbearable. What that final day had, though, in the World Cup was just that, we've often talked about the, the rare moment of ecstasy in cricket. Yes. And it had it in space, didn't it? It was absolutely incredible. And also couple that with, because I was watching the Wimbledon final before that, Yes. which was amazing too. And I enjoyed that day for the very reason you've just outlined, that you know I wasn't emotionally invested in it, but it was still great sport. Yeah, you're not going to wake up the following morning no. if both results are gone against what you wanted. No. And the cricket was... I mean, the, the, <laughs> the ridiculous thing about the cricket is that because uh, Sky allowed it to be on Channel 4, you know, yeah. free to air for the final, there will be people... There will be, you know, younger viewers who probably never watched live cricket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm talking about the young, younger ones who will probably watch that and think, "Oh, all cricket is like that." And actually, the problem there yeah. is they probably watched the greatest already, the That's greatest right. game of cricket that ever. ever be, and mm. that, nothing is ever going to match it. No, because it had, every, you know, a super over at the end to decide it. You know, which was also drawn. I've, I've ne- <laughs> which is also drawn. I've never seen a super over. I know they've had them before, but I've never actually watched one. No. So that in itself is extraordinary. And then. The events you know some of the sort of bizarre you know um twists of fate like uh that uh that overthrow that hit um stokes's bat yeah. and then not went out for further four runs yeah uh, and stuff like that you know what are the odds on that happening again or the guy who, who looked as if he was going to catch uh i think again it might have been stokes i can't remember going to catch one of our batsmen out and stumbled on on the boundary rope so instead of it being out it was a six mm. you know and that was like in terms of Again, that was like an inch or two on the ground yeah, in terms yeah, of where yeah. his, his foot landed. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I think, you know, I, I, as I get older, I prefer cricket. No, I don't mean I prefer cricket to football. I mean, I prefer cricket to how to... I like cricket more than I used to, is what I'm trying yes. to say in a very inarticulate way. And I think it because it... Not because I think it's um, uh, fulfilled... No, I think it is because it fulfills a different need that I find myself wanting to fulfill from yeah. a sports point of view. And it is that sort of slightly... Uh, detached. It, it, yeah, slightly detached. Probably, if you were a f- the football per- equivalent of watching cricket, or the way I watch cricket, is a very annoying person. 
Well, the football equivalent of me in cricket is somebody who wears one, who carries one of those um, scars with both oh, yeah. the teams on it. Yeah, you know, the I, annoying I, neutral. I, I met a Man United fan who quotes had a soft spot for Liverpool last week, <laughs> and I thought that's you're rare. You're yeah. rare. I don't mind it. I mean, it's talk quite... about hedging your bets, though. <laughs> yes, I, I know. And you know, and, and sometimes I'm quite keen on Real Madrid. You know, it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it is. It is. It is bizarre. But no, I, I think it's quite nice to have. Um, uh, a, a sort of different level of um, enjoyment of sport, uh, and I think tennis. You're going back to what you said about tennis. Tennis does that as well, doesn't yeah. it? Because it's thrilling tennis, isn't it's it? It's thrilling, and also there's not the partisanship mm-hmm. with with one to one sport mm. that there is necessarily. You don't get that tribal thing. You don't have to, have to partition the Andy Murray fans <laughs> yeah. from the Djokovic fans yeah. and have stewards down the middle in yellow high vis jackets yeah. to prevent you know, are, yeah. trouble breaking out. You know, it's it's watched from a point. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that, you know, that, that can also make you quite an annoying supporter for those who are more passionate. What do you think about the argument that's been propounded since that, you know, we need to get cricket back on the telly, terrestrial telly, and, it, you know, people won't see it, so therefore it won't thrive? It does make me think, well, when it was on terrestrial telly and you had, like, county cricket yeah. f- filled with, you know, one man and his dog watching it, it didn't thrive then, really, did it? So what's to say that it would if we put it back on? Well, I think the problem is that Sky actually, you know, if you, if you take it as a, t- as a TV viewer and a TV experience... Sky do it brilliantly. What Sky do, whatever you think of Sky and whatever you think of the, the you know the the effect they have on the game and the fact mm-hmm. they bought, bought all the rights, what they do is is unbeatable in terms of its quality and the, the depth of its coverage and the expertise and even to the point where if it's raining, the pundits who have to fill really do know how to fill and actually have a conversation that you find yourself listening to it and actually you forget that you're not you're meant to be watching the game because they are they don't they have that sort of rabbit in headlamps look in their faces they they're quite relaxed about filling hmm. you know in periods of where rain stops play but um i think if the problem with terrestrial is that basically the ecb the um uh, England and Wales Cricket Board basically get an awful lot of money from Sky, which they can invest in the game in terms of you know youth development and all that kind of thing. And unless you know free to air offers an equivalent package, yes, absolutely. Then why on earth would they want to sort of turn yeah. that down? Mm-hmm. And I know it's money talking, and I know all the arguments against that. But if you know if you've got a sport like cricket, which is never going to be on the scale of, of football, no. you know, in terms of guaranteed crowds, yeah. Then you do need, and somebody comes along and says, "Well, you don't need the crowds. Look, we just let us show it all, and we'll give you lots of money, and that will keep you going, and that will keep your counters mm-hmm. going." And you, you know, I can't see how you can. I can't see what the alternative no. to that is. No, absolutely, and uh, the improvements that they've made to very small clubs' grounds, and yeah. with that money and the investment, as you say, is, is something that you couldn't get elsewhere. So, yeah, no, absolutely. That's sport done then. Are you looking? Are you looking forward to the start of the new football season then? I sort of am. I sort of am. I noticed my um, my football club sent out a new uh, talking marketing initiatives. Uh, my football club sent out uh, an email to fans uh, when was it? A couple of days ago, yeah. as we speak, uh, offering an option to move to a new, uh, exciting new part of the ground. Uh, which will give you a very different perspective on the game. Uh, to cut it, cut it, it's 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 part of the hospitality area. Right. I, I I go uh, for my sins. I hate that expression. Sorry. Uh, I I sit in hospitality. It's a long story, but anyway, I do. Um, and um, this is going to be a different new hospitality zone. And what they've done is they've opened up the area immediately behind the home team's dugout. Right. 
So you can sit immediately behind the manager and the subs and all the players, etc., etc., to but, get that level of you know um, perspective uh, on the game. Do you mean do you mean like a clear glass situation so you can see into the? Changing I'm not rooms? aware. Well, n- n- no, you're literally. Oh, I see. What you mean. Just the, from the, the point of view of watching the, the actual game. Yes, you sit right. in the rows of seats immediately behind the dugout, Sorry, and, yeah. and I think they're going to redesign them and, and they're going to equip them with sort of their own Wi-Fi. Um, uh, sort of hub and um, you know mobile phone charging points, and they'll each have the little boxes of six seats per person. And the, then you, the people, there's only 40 seats available in this zone. They're calling it the dugout. Uh, and the people who move to this area will have access to their own exclusive bar, which nobody else in the ground can use. So mm-hmm. you can get your drinks at half time without having to queue, etc., etc. Um, uh, and could, if, you, if you could, you know, give the manager some tips. Well, that's it. Advice. Unlike um, uh, where I sit, you you also allowed to wear a replica shirt, which I'm not allowed to do. Where I sit, they have a dress right. code. Where I sit, and my first reaction, you know, the little twelve year old in me kicked in. I thought, oh yeah, that sounds brilliant. I will definitely. Oh, it's an extra forty seven pounds plus VAT per month. Okay, <laughs> that's why I'm off putting. Then I thought, I never wear a replica shirt. No. I just don't. I just don't like the idea of being told I'm not allowed to. Yeah. But even if I was allowed to, I wouldn't wear one anyway because I'm a grown it's the man. Forbidden fruit. I'm a grown man. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for two reasons, and secondly, then make you look ridiculous. And um, and then I thought, actually, it's a sort of novelty. I'd like to do it once, just out of curiosity. But then I think sitting behind those sort of sweaty, sweary footballers um, and, and getting what is comparatively a poor view of the pitch, bearing in mind my current seat is sort of halfway up, almost sort of like TV camera view. Yeah. I, I think that the novelty would wear off quite quickly. Because I always think, well, how can the manager get a proper perspective yeah, that's on a good the game point. Yeah. from where I'm standing? So I, you know... I think you'd have to be a little bit sort of star starstruck, the idea of being within. Uh, what I would like is the fact that we'd be very, very close to the fourth official yeah. and at the various <laughs> points, the linesman. And you know my, uh, my authority issues. Say, yeah. They could kick in again because it's been a long while since I've been able to shout at a linesman with any sort of, you know... Impact. Any impact at all. You see, I would that. hate that because I, I always cringe when people shout things so directly at people, people who can hear. And it's that's one thing I hate about football is the insouciance of people who just think they can shout in the face of... Authority. Other people, yes. Even though just because they're yards away, separated by an imaginary border, yeah. And I would so, be. I'm an know, awful I, person. Is well, really no, what I'm not directing it. No, 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 no. I do right. mean you as well. Uh, no, no, I, no, you're completely right. But I'm I, not defending it. It's an, awful, <laughs> it's an awful trait. But I'm very, as you know, you I'm do. very much of the belief that we as human beings should stop pretending that we're all brilliant and perfect. And actually, I think you it's are quite you, nice to acknowledge honest about that flaw. Feats. There you go. Yeah. So um, I would, I would actually be sitting there waiting to to hear the abuse hurled at the manager when it wasn't going so well and i would be i'd just feel sorry for him would you probably <laughs> depends how bad it was yeah i guess you're right and do you know what it's also a bit cheeky them offering you more expensive seats when you only just avoided relegation last season. I, I know i know i know i know and, and also but um sorry i sounded like sophie ellis bexter there for a minute um <laughs> the uh there isn't only that there's the fact that um our seats prices go up on an incremental scale every season anyway yeah so uh, I think three or four years ago, we had a five-year plan. So every season, the, the, the cost of your season ticket goes up. Mm. Uh, and, and we of course, pay. Um, the other thing is VAR is coming in next season. VAR. That's the big see, change, and, and, and actually, going back to what you're saying about awful people like me, we have got it. It's really very much a case of be careful what you wish for, yeah. isn't it? Because basically, VAR has ruined football as an experience, uh, or, or, or will do. And it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so... Uh, I don't know what I feel about VAR. I'm still... 
a swing with it, rather like cricket. And and I, I, sometimes I think, okay, it is killing that moment of ecstasy after a goal. And yeah. that ball. But then I think, but it's the right decision. It's fairness versus the experience, isn't it? What do we want? What do we want to prioritise? Because, well, I think the problem with fairness is it's, yes, technically it's, you know, but it takes, sport is... If you if you're out for sort of scientific precision, so is this you know is this a thousand percent correct and is this is this guy's toe one centimeter you know uh, over the line? You know all those tiny tiny incremental decisions which VAR now is 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 trying to sort of suggest that we we can sort of make with 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 some accuracy. I think yeah okay, but if you're if if you if you want that precision and that is the most important thing to you and you'd rather never ever have anything go wrong, I, I would I, I would in all honesty I would rather um, accept some appalling referee howlers and uh, shockingly unjust decisions. Would you? Uh, uh, yes. You over see, the course of the I season, I think your memory is short there because I think you're forgetting <laughs> how annoyed you were by those decisions. And no, but I like being annoyed because once uh, because <laughs> you can then you, shout at the line because I, yes, yes, you don't seem to understand why I go to football. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the football. Um, it's I, I don't know. I, I I sort of think there's something. In all seriousness, what does annoy me is the fact that when you go to the VAR thing and you see those little twonks sitting at those screens in their kit. Yeah, you but, think why yeah. are you dressed? You look, I mean, you know. well, what, what if they were in the tra- uh, you know jeans and t-shirt? You'd well, probably what, go. Well, that's a bit casual. At least dre- look dressed for the job. But you wear a kit b- to be on the pitch. You, you know, football. Uh, uh, no, it just. Uh, do, do you know what? In my head, it is down to the authority issues again. Because all I'm thinking is that as soon as I see somebody in a referee's kit or a linesman's kit, I have authority issues with that person straight away. It's a bit like seeing a traffic warden. Okay, so if you've now got a system where you've got about half a dozen more of them, albeit in a box five miles down the road or wherever they're stationed, mm. then there's just more jobs worth. And it's really like you've, what you've done is you've you've undermined the jobs worth on the pitch. And created a whole new strata of jobsworths elsewhere, who now want you know their decision yeah. Yeah, yeah, to sort of be more significant. <laughs> I actually believe that the way to do this is I've thought about this is um, you know the, you know like in, in cricket and, and tennis where you can have a review or a certain number of challenges yeah, etc yeah. etc. Yeah. And I think some American sports do something similar. I don't know why can we not if. VAR is dependent on that TV feed, isn't it, to, to the VAR officials. Mm-hmm. So why doesn't each club, each team, in any match with VAR, each team have a VAR um, representative from their side who's allowed during the course of the game to have, I don't know, five challenges, five reviews, right. whatever. It's up to them. They have to say that's their, that's their call. Yeah. And, they, and that is announced in the referee's ear just as quickly as, as it is at the moment but it's entirely up to them they could use the wall in the first five minutes so y- y- that way you restore some semblance of you know authority and order and balance on the pitch and you're not getting the situation where every single time the ball goes in the box oh is it handball is it offside you know it's it's because it's sort of it's reducing it it's it's, it's allowing the pedantry to sort of take away from the emotion and the drama and the human side of it to such an extent that it's sort of exhausting. It takes away, you know, for however much it's making things right, 
it's but why is it not so... exhausting in rugby? It seems to work well there, doesn't it? I think certain sports lend itself to, lend themselves to it more. There is more of a stop-start nature. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose. So cricket it lends itself to it easily because cricket is all about stopping and starting. Uh, every every I, I, delivery, every over. Yeah, tennis, yeah. Like, again, tennis, because obviously each rally is relatively short. Football, the ball can be in play for any length of time. You know, it could be get, get back to the forwards for 10 minutes without it going out of play, or, or, or it probably wouldn't be, but, you know. In a way, your five challenges idea is a good one, because I, I was going to counter that by saying, well, what if... You know, the, the obvious thing to say is you, you lose or you use up your five challenges and then yeah. lots of egregious things happen after that that you don't have any challenge on. But then yeah, I suppose that's all we're doing there is going back to how life was beforehand. Yeah, and that's yeah. how it works in tennis and cricket. There was a, you know, there's an example of that in, uh, I think, was it in the World Cup? Or, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty, yeah, it was in the World Cup semi-final, I think, against Australia. Jason Roy was out. Yeah. Uh, and it was a terrible decision, absolutely terrible decision. He was caught out, but he clearly hadn't touched the ball. And every replay showed he hadn't touched the ball. But we already used up our appeal and okay. pre- in the previous uh, incident that was it we'd had our appeal we'd run out and it, he sort of looked frustrated but actually we just got on with it there was no yeah. suggestion oh hang on a minute the system's the system's wrong it was just that's the way it works we accept it uh and it just gets the balance right so maybe that's the compromise then yeah i, I don't want to throw a... the baby out with the bath water I would actually. I, I think what's going. I tell you what's going to happen. I think a lot of non-league football is now, and and lower li- division football is going to get bigger crowds because I think there'll be a certain number of people who get so fed up with watching this. Mm. Um, I'm. I know. I'm, I know. I'm in the minority because I know whenever I talk about the the reasons why I watch football, my attitude I get really sort of you know there's dreary, po-faced, self-important, proper fans who you don't understand. I've had rows of people say you don't understand. It's all about getting the decision right. Yeah, is it really? <laughs> oh, shut up, you boring man. Well, interesting. We'll see how it goes. It's a work in progress, is my view on it. So we'll see what happens next season. Yeah, Meanwhile, yes. uh, oh, there's, on the telly football front, there's yeah. talk of Sky putting out their own highlights earlier, is it? There's a, oh, is that right? Yeah, I, I know this. ITV did this for a while, didn't they? And that was not that oh, well received. And yes, yeah, Sky are talking about offering their highlights free to air, maybe on YouTube. I think it would be a similar thing to the cricket kind of thing um, or the Champions League final I should say so it's a sort of kind of beating match of the day yeah, to it beating beat match of the day to the wicket as it were is that a phrase I've, not, I've never it's heard not, that but it? let's use it <laughs> beating them to the punch is well, the phrase well that would be quite good because they can abandon match of the day get rid of Gary Lineker and give everybody all the pensioners their free Six TV licence with all the money that they pay Gary Lineker which would just about cover it do you, where do you stand <laughs> on the where do you stand on the it's Lineker he's his talent and he's the draw versus the people would watch it anyway oh, because it's I've the highlights. Whole, I wrote a whole thing about this years ago, actually. Now, I basically said there are certain programmes where you watch because, I don't know, I've about Graham Norton, for example. The Graham Norton show is is about the way Graham Norton uh, interviews, interacts with his guests. Yeah. Whether you love it or hate it, that's what he's for. That's yeah. what It's, it's about his yeah, style. Yeah, he's the product. He stamps his personality on it. I don't think ever in my life... Have, I've sat down and thought I'm going to watch Match of the Day. Oh, it's not Gary Lineker; it's Gabby Logan. I'm not going to watch it then. I don't care who presents Match no, of the Day. No. I really do not care. I actually sort of, you know, I, I, I think it's ridiculous. If I were Gary Lineker, I'd be very, very pleased with the way things have panned out, you know. <laughs> and I don't blame him, you know. But he, it is absurd. I mean, it is absurd. He has his moments of. Um, uh, you know where where wit, I find I of wit, yeah. yeah. Although I find him slightly more annoying than I used to mm-hmm. for all, all sorts of reasons, none of which Twitter not, not related, of, maybe uh, Twitter related. Uh, no, I will say the Twitter related thing. I sort of think 
if you are very well known and you've got 28 zillion followers on Twitter, um, I sort of think there's a tendency for you to think that that means everybody cares about what you think about everything. Mm -hmm. And it isn't really, I don't think. I mean, an awful lot of people probably do care what Gary Lineker thinks about under Brexit or whatever, for example. Um, But actually, most people follow Gary Lineker because of football. So a sort of, you know, uh, there is this, it's, it's, I suppose it's the equivalent of, you know, Bono thinking that we care because he makes, you know, they write some ch- nice tunes that somehow their, their opinion on sort of world hunger or whatever carries greater weight. I sort of think if you are famous in one field and you have a big following because of that, it yeah. doesn't necessarily lend any greater weight to your pronouncements in something totally different. And I think it's a very easy to be, kind of, some people to sort of maybe lose sight of that mm. in terms of how they uh, are perceived by the public the annual hedge trimming championships is it, is it have started loud? Yeah. yeah but it has to be done so if you're a listener to this podcast and you're a big fan of um hedge trimming yeah uh, there is a packet of custard creams to be given away to the winner of whoever can tell me what make and model <laughs> yeah. 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 hedge trimmer i was going to say exactly that by that brand like, by sound alone can you identify the brand yes if I put something over the mic, would this help? Does that help at all? A Does little. A little. Does yeah, it really? A little. Do you know what I put over the mic? Uh, flannel? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of flannel going into the mic, but no, it's actually uh, a shirt. Oh, nice. Hmm, what colour? A, a checky affair, I it think. It is, actually, yeah. yes, yes. Sort of blue and orange, I'm thinking. No, green and black. Oh, okay. M&S? Um, Blue Harbour? Uh, no, it is... Uh, I can't remember it from. Oh, Gap. Hardly oh. ever buy anything in Gap, but it was really cheap. Yeah. Plus, uh, uh, nobody should ever buy things in, in, in Gap which are, um, uh, are the price they say in the shop, because uh, if you sign up... Oh, man. Those emails. Uh, How get, are they still in business? I get about 30... Uh, 40% nothing, off isn't 40% every other week. 40% off is a bad deal. I want, yeah. I want, I'm waiting for the 75%. Well, no. Anybody walks into that shop and know. says, oh, it says £10, I'll give you £10 for it. Yeah. What are you thinking? I know. Madness. Crazy work. A lot of shops like I'm that. I'm changing my clothing ethos, by the way. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, which is that I'm now spending a lot more on better pieces. I'm going to call them pieces. Why uh, are you calling them pieces? Because oh, they're, because it well, they're be... more expensive. So okay, <laughs> I think they're worthy of that tag. Yes. Um, and yeah, so I, I also think when you get older, you kind of options become more limited, don't they? Yes. And you can't wear the same variety of clothes or maybe trainers that you might have done in the past. Yes. Um, and so I'm going to kind of you know plain t-shirts. Yeah. Plain shirts. Yeah. Good quality jeans. Yeah. Dark jeans as well, by the way, isn't it? Dark. Yes. When you get older. Yeah. I, I basically uh, as you get older. Uh, but maybe my, my case is not so much an age thing as, as a shape thing, but yeah, darker. Yeah. So how much yeah. do you think I paid for a T-shirt the other day? Uh, okay, if you're going for quality, mm-hmm. I reckon I was thinking 30-something. Well, it was £25. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I would say so. Which and do top? you think you're getting a better quality of yes. T-shirt? I can say, yeah. Yeah, definitely already. It's okay. washed well, Mike. Has it? Washed really well. May I ask where it was from? Uh, Reese, the shop. Uh, oh, gosh, yeah. Okay, yes. However, I discovered one other thing. Uh, t-shirts can shrink on the washing line, Mike. Be aware. Is in that the, right? In the sunlight. I'm trying to... Obviously, I don't want it to shrink. I've paid a lot of money for it. Yeah, if you whack it on that washing line in a sunny day, it can shrink. Are you absolutely sure? Or is this? Just, have you, I mean, if you the heat that if you put that in in a tumble dryer, that's would bad. Really, really yeah. shrink it, obviously. So that's, that's why intense. I put it on the line, and then I discover whacking it in the sun is also bad. So, so it's you, really the same principle, but on a lesser scale. You need an overcast day. That's what you need. Overcast day on the line. Is, then it won't dry. Well, I suppose it will. It takes longer. So there's my little tip for you there. We have a heated. We have one of those sort of fold away sort of. Um, 
clothes rail things. So oh, I've plug, always toyed with buying those. Plug it, plug it in. It's brilliant. Um, Is it? Because we used to have a tumble dryer. We have no tumble dryer or anything like that in the house now. We got rid of it. Because yeah. I hated it. It's so noisy. Yeah, yeah. It drives me nuts. So basically, we only have two options. Or three, a three, I guess, when we're washing stuff. A, you hang it out on the line with the risk of uh, birds and uh, mm-hmm. things falling off trees. And as you say, as, uh, the third risk, which I hadn't been aware of, which I am now, the, the shrinkage thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you put it in the tumble dryer, which uh, is Kills very it. noisy. Yeah. Um, or you hang it over this thing that we bought from Lakeland. Lakeland, I know. I know. I've yeah, seen it. Really, really catalog. good. Folds away, plug it in, uses hardly any electricity. I know. Um, Every time I've nearly bought it, I thought, oh, I could, that's £100 I could spend on something else. <laughs> yes, I know. But uh, on the other option, of course, is a service wash. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been known to do the service wash, just take it down to the laundry and you just think, oh, is that all it costs? Why would I pay? Really? Is it cheap? Yeah, I can take a big, a big bulging bin bag of clothes. Nice alliteration. A big bulging bin bag of clothes uh, and leave it with them. Uh, and a couple of hours later, and it would be like, I, I don't know, the most I've ever paid is about £15. And that's like two huge bin bags crammed mm. to the brim with stuff, you know, sheets and T-shirts. Also. So, you, you know, and the amount of time and effort. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, I should be sure I should be paying you more than this. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not going to. <laughs> so uh, as we look into the TV future then, what have we got coming up? Oh, animal shows. There's loads and loads of animal shows. So at the moment, we've got a new thing starting. By the time this, uh, this podcast reaches anyone's ears, it would have started this thing and probably already finished, called Animals at Play. <laughs> All about how uh, animal play. This is BBC Two Sunday night eight o'clock. Uh, all about how animals sort of playing learn by playing learn to sort of socialise and integrate and it sort of uh, develop as creatures. Yep. And then there's a thing called uh, what is it? Oh, animals for animal babies for, colon obviously first year on Earth. Yeah. Which is a three part series. And what it is, it's all about animal babies, right? And their first year. Yeah. Uh, on, on, um, on, on, on the earth. On the earth, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and that's good. Um, so if you want to watch sort of baby elephants slipping and sliding in the mud because their legs haven't quite worked out to walk mm. yet, or none of those are grabbing me. No, I know we've had conversations about wildlife shows. I always watch those things, and uh, you know, as we always say, think this is brilliant and, and great. But I sort of, I think it's because um, I have a quite a sort of a very linear approach to things. I want things to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, a bit like when you watch a drama or even a sort of documentary where somebody's setting out to do something i like things to have a path yeah and sometimes when you watch animal programs you just it's just a lot of clips so you just think where's this guy it's just you know and here's another animal and here's another animal and they're all cute and all wonderful and i don't have a problem with 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 that it's just that the program feels as if it's just all on one level all mm. the way through yeah um until they get eaten yeah so a bit of animal stuff what else Anything else? Do you know what? Not a lot no, else no. other than... Oh, what was the other thing I was talking about to somebody the other day? Parliament Channel, you mentioned. Parliament Channel. Oh, God, that's going to be... The Parliament Channel's brilliant. It's going to be brilliant forever yeah. now because it's, uh, it's going to be Boz against Jezza. Mm-hmm. You know, every time that comes, that's got to be box office, isn't it? That's, that, that, you know, put that on pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah. If the BBC said, look, BBC will stay as it is now, funding-wise... Uh, in order to pay for the license, uh, so that we can give the licenses to the over seventy fives for free, as as we, you know, really wish we were still able to do, we're going to basically make Parliament, Parliament Channel is our one and only pay per view <laughs> channel, and that yeah. would raise because the entertainment level we're going to get now that would raise so much revenue, yeah, exactly. that that would cover the cost. Yeah. And everything you, should, you could get Gary Lineker on that in the end. Get Gary Lineker on the funditry. <laughs> yes, yes. No. 
Top entertainment, though, isn't it? Let's <laughs> yeah, be honest. It's going to get interesting. <laughs> you sound slightly anxious. <laughs> no, not really. I'm just kind of... I've just opened my popcorn and I've pulled up the seat, really. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, even, let's be honest, the first sort of uh, interplay between the, the new Prime Minister and the, uh, and the leader yeah. of the opposition, was... you know, we, we suddenly realised the bar has been raised yeah. here in God, all, sorts, yeah. all sorts of respects, yeah. uh, which is going to make for some uh, interesting dynamics in the months ahead. He says, tactfully. That is telly... Oh, sorry. No, that's it. I'm not going to say anything about Britain's giant food petri factory, which is a documentary on Channel 4 next Thursday, which includes the fact that people who work at Mars Pet Care in Melton Mowbray uh, are invited each day to go to daily tasting sessions where they get to taste the product for themselves. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. What, Mars products? No, dog food. Mars, oh, the... Mars Pet Care oh, are Mars the pet same care. people who make the chocolate, but oh, this right. is their pet care division, which actually is bigger than their confectionery division. They make pedigree food for dogs, whiskers food for cats, and I think other stuff as well. And, they get to taste and it. People, some of the people who work there do a daily panel where they go into a room and they each have a bowl of... Uh, it is a bowl. Yeah, it's not even a plate. It's a bowl. Do they put of, it on the floor? Of, <laughs> they, I'm surprised they don't. <laughs> Why are they put it in the bowl? Got to learn this. Um, to taste, uh, because oh. they argue, and one of them in this programme says, yes, yes, I'm sure, yeah, that tastes lovely to me, and if you taste great, and if, if I were to put that in a pie, you wouldn't know the difference. <laughs> I'm not sure whether to be worried by that or impressed <laughs> Well, I wouldn't want to go to dinner with that person. No, sure, <laughs> yeah. Any idea what I've cooked you? Yes, I'm beginning to guess. Nice yeah. pie. That is telly.click. You can find it on iTunes or any other podcast server. Is that the right phrase? Uh, Probably not. No. Or wherever you get your podcast from. Or is that not necessarily true? It's almost, yeah. It's like saying... Are we everywhere? Buy buy some sweets wherever you get sweets from. I think every, every podcast app that I've looked at and downloaded... I can find us on. Oh, interesting. So I'm not entirely sure why we need to say it's on, on this one. Oh, and here's the other one. thing, which yeah. I've discovered. Leave a review, because whether good or bad, it helps get us up the charts. Is that right? Yeah. Who said that? It's a fact that I've picked up. <laughs> I can't remember who told me the fact, but it's absolutely true. That, that reviews help your positioning in the podcast placements universe oh, i think we might be a bit behind the um what's it on, on this one because <laughs> since we since we started but i think ours was the first ever podcast yeah but because we don't do them very often it's, people won't realize that no that's we're it. the first people ever to do a podcast but we you know we're way behind there's dozens now yeah like whoever invented something and then someone else copied it it's so annoying 